1: Welcome to First Bite, our Pride of Detroit midweek Detroit Lions podcast. I bet you thought you weren't getting one this week, but we're fitting one in here late recording on a Friday night. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the editor-in-chief of Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter with me co-hosting First Bite, As always, Ryan Matthews, senior editor of Pride of Detroit at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan,
2: how are we doing on a Friday night? I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really good because of who we have on the show tonight because yeah. it's gonna it's gonna do everything that everybody needs to hear uh, as a uh, as a primer for what's what's coming up for where you're going, buddy. That's right. Yeah, we're going to be talking some Senior Bowl in the
1: back half of this segment. But yes, we do have a very special guest who has taken umbrage with the fact that I still call him a special guest, <laughs> considering he's <laughs> coming up on his one year anniversary at a website called. Pride of Detroit uh uh managing editor of Pride of Detroit Eric Schlitt is with us <laughs> at Eric Schlitt on Twitter Eric buddy welcome back
3: yeah you know i four more weeks and then uh it'll be a year and then maybe i'll i mean like look we, we did a podcast during the summer like i i, we, I, I feel like i feel like we were are close to moving past that s- special guest title
1: <laughs> we'll see i mean we'll see how today goes and maybe maybe we'll just call I, oh, what I what do we call you if you're not a special guest here you can't be,
3: are you a co-host <sighs> Uh, no, I can't be a co-host because I'm not a regular. I like well. That's what rare, I'm saying. Rare appearance.
1: <laughs> but here's 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 what we'll say. You are going to be. Uh, a more regular uh, appear on the podcast feed r- soon. I would imagine we've, we've been talking behind the scenes about bringing back our, uh, our Q and a show, which uh, yeah. we, we did all off season, maybe moving to uh, to Twitter spaces. Well, we'll get into that. Maybe at the end of the podcast and, and have a more formal announcement later, but let's get into this week's topic, which is uh, the NFL draft and uh, the senior bowl. Like I said, we'll get into the senior bowl second segment here, but I want to talk about the draft because I think we've, we've tired ourselves out on the Kayvon Thibodeau versus Kyle, versus, versus Aiden Hutchinson talk. <laughs> so we have now moved over to some, some Kyle Hamilton talk at number two. Uh, you put out a, a fantastic article again on that website called pride of Detroit. Um, and, and I want to get into, I, I want you to kind of summarize your, your argument that you put out there. And then I kind of want to open it up uh, to, to Ryan and myself and have maybe a little debate on it because there's there's been people that have been the drum for Kyle Hamilton really since the, the college football season began. Yeah. Uh, and he does seem like a, a special prospect. But is he a number two special prospect? Uh, tell tell me about the article you wrote.
3: Yeah, basically the the you know, I don't think there's any doubt in his talent. And and, and that has not been really contested, I guess, uh, this offseason. We, we, we've seen him play uh you you know i'm sure people have seen the highlights he's a very talented player um his body type is rare his speed is rare his intelligence is rare range i mean there's there's so many things that are really uh exceptional about him as a player that um he's he's drawn this attention that he could potentially be in, in in consideration for the top spots and what I wrote the article on was that whenever I would bring up positional value and that the league doesn't value safeties at the same level that they value quarterbacks, uh, left tackles and edge rushers. Um, I just, I got, I, I got, you know, there people were very dismissive of that. They just, they didn't want to accept it. They didn't want to talk about it. And so I said, you know what, I'm just going to try and summarize as best I can uh, why the league views things the way that they do. And, and I talked about uh, hit rate, like how successful players are at their position when they're drafted at certain spots. Uh, for example, I, I took articles from, uh, NFL.com, uh, ESPN, uh, PFF, and I did PFF grades as well. And I, I made a collection of like 19 different players that were made these different lists. And what you will notice is, uh, amongst those 19, uh, the majority of them were first rounders and not just first rounders, but like top half of the first round type of players uh, uh, for edge rushers, edge rushers, typically typically, the higher you draft them, the more successful they are, or the, or the higher the chances of success that they are. Finding a guy like Max Crosby in the fourth round is really rare. Finding a guy like Romeo wakwara undrafted is, is extraordinarily rare, right? And, and most of the time, the top edge rushers are always guys that you find going in the top half of the first round, or at least the first round in general. Whereas at safety, it's completely different. When you talk about what, where, the, where the best safeties drafted in the league, you'll find in, in them all over the place. Typically in the top 100 but the majority of them um are not taken in the first round only a handful of them that are taken in the first round typically tend to pan out and historically when you look back at like over the last 21 years since so since 2000 um There have been 28 safeties taken in the first round, yet only like 10 of them have made an all pro and only like five of them have made more than one all pro. So the hit rate that that you're going to find a safety that's going to be successful by taking them early in the first round. It's hard. It's hard to find those guys. You can typically find them all over the place. So right off the bat, it's the value is. Okay, you find more success taking edge rushers early, but then there's the financial impact as well. Edge rushers typically make more money than safety, so you're, you're ending up having to pay them more. And then when you look at the, the rookie cap and what you're going to going to be paying a player, you're going to pay him about 7.5 million. So do you want to spend that 7.5 million on an edge rusher where you're going to get good value for your financial investment, or are you going to spend it on a safety where the safety is going to have to go above, above and beyond what he would normally be expected to do just to meet Meet those financial expectations and so there's a lot more pressure on that safety. Now, these are all the reasons why the league tends to favor the edge rusher over the safety. But then you have to take into consideration is Kyle Hamilton a unicorn? You know what I mean? Like if he is, then he there's some just justify you can justify taking him early, right? It's uh Ryan and I talked about this on Twitter earlier. Kyle Pitts was a unicorn. That's why he was a tight end taken in, 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 at the spot that he was. What I mean, did he go? I forgot what he, what he went fourth? for. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So um, you don't take tight ends that early. I mean, remember when when they drafted Hutchinson or uh, Hutchinson? Uh, when they drafted Hawkinson? Right. Still the Lions. Thinking. The Lions got uh, or the Lions fans got super mad that they took Hawkinson at eight. Right now, you took Pitts at four and nobody blinked an eye because Pitts was a unicorn, right? And you find those unicorns in the draft, right? And, and that's part of it. So, Kyle Hamilton, he very much has a chance to be a unicorn, but is he? And if he is, how high are you going to take him? There hasn't been a safety. Go uh, picked in the top three in thirty years. Yeah. Right, last one was nineteen ninety one. Bill Belichick it took was a Bill safety Belichick at though, two. Was, yeah, he knew he, what he was yeah, doing. It was Bill Bill Belichick of the Browns. Right, <laughs> it was that Bill Belichick. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Bill Belichick um, before he's Bill Belichick. Yes, right. So like it, 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 historically, the data says teams are going to pick the edge. And you're going to have more, su- you're going to have a better chance of success finding those edge guys than you would uh, finding a safety, but you can't rule out the unicorn.
1: Well, let me throw it to you, to you Ryan. I, I don't know how how deep your your Kyle Hamilton research has gone, but do you do you feel confident that that maybe Kyle Hamilton is that re- unicorn? But it, because I mean, you look at the the kind of draft analysts, and you, you don't see a lot of people pointing any flaws in his game right now.
2: Yeah, I, I I don't know if it's so much like who I know Kyle Hamilton to be as a prospect, which is you know rather limited. I mean, I know like some of the PFF grades and some of the accolades and and the statistics that he's put up and and how highly everybody talks about him. I don't know if it's more so my my lack of an understanding of where Kyle or you know where Hamilton fits in, but like where the lions fit in sitting at number two in a draft where there like, is no consensus, like top five players, like, you know, with, with all that uncertainty, it's like, well, you know, you you can take a lot of the data that that Eric has has put forth and say, you know, there is a premium on edge rushers teams value them. Um, therefore, you know, there's a couple of top ones in this draft. That's where the lions should probably invest their, their, you know, uh, their second or their second overall pick. Um, and add to it, it's a position of need. But I, I hear the, the you know, as you said, I think they're a very vocal group, the people who are, you know, really on board with Kyle Hamilton at number two for the Lions, and they say, well, yeah, safety's a big need too. And safety's yeah. a really important position, so much so that we were talking about, you know, heading into this offseason once Brad Holmes was nailed down, hey – john johnson the third might be a a a shoe in to come over to detroit and play you know a, a very important position in in you know the the defense that they were planning on running and i it the lions are desperate for playmakers at both positions i tend to kind of side with you know where where eric's you know historical data lies in the edge rushers are the position. And if you just think about the lions over the past, how long, like how often does Chris on the podcast, Jeremy talk about screw it. I don't care. We've been here before. I've seen this movie before. It's an edge rusher, take an edge rusher. Yeah. And we've been saying this for so long and so long. And the last one was Ezekiel Ansa. And that felt like a huge reach. It doesn't right. feel like one of these guys that is going to fall into the lion's lap is that kind of reach where it's like a high ceiling guy. You know what I mean? In the yeah. sense that, like, they also have a very low floor. Right. Um. It, it seems like you're going to get a bonafide contributor, and I think that that's so important in in, in an offense or in a defense.
1: Yeah, and, and to me, this is where I'll push back just a little bit. To me, it's all about confidence in in your, your pick panning out right here because this is a pick that the Lions can't afford to blow. Like, they can't get a guy who's just okay. They can't just get – uh, a, a, a you know a middle-tier starter. They need an elite guy. And listen, like I, I think most people agree that that Hutchinson and Thibodeau aren't necessarily your top-tier guys. I, maybe, maybe not everyone thinks that, but like you, you see a lot of people saying, like, none of these guys are a Bosa. None of these guys are, you know, an, an elite elite, none of these guys would be a, a number one pick in, you know, previous drafts. And Kyle Hamilton, I mean, listen again. I'm I'm still pretty limited in my research on him, but the consensus seems to be he's kind of a can't miss pick. And listen, we've we've all covered drafts long enough to know that a can't miss prospect can certainly miss. We we we, we, we it happens. Um, but but I, I guess to me if the lines get an elite player at a defensive position, it's going to be hard for me to complain. And so if Brad Holmes goes up in draft day, he boldly puts in Kyle Hamilton in at number two, I'm not going to freak out because I I do think there's a pretty good chance they hit on that draft pick. And, and yes, it's not going to be at the most impactful position. Yes. It's not going to be the most cost-effective move, but if he pans out and he's pretty darn good, like we, we had this question in our mailbag, Eric, like it's like, everyone's always kind of looking over their shoulder in the draft. Like, and you know, e- even with, with Panay Sewell, right? Like everyone you, you look at a guy like Micah Parsons and you say, Oh, did the did the Lions make a mistake? Well, no, they got an elite player. That's fine. So if they get an elite player in Kyle Hamilton, then I'm gonna be okay with that, even if you know one of the one of the top two edge rushers turns out to have a pretty darn good career, too. And and to, to cap off that point, the the one thing I'll say is it does feel like this fan base is kind of in a place where they don't want to reach on a position right now. And, and it's understandably. So like the last couple of times they've done it, it's bitten them, you know, Jeff Okuda, whether his career pans out or not, it was a cornerback taken third overall. And that just the value there was criticized in the moment, Eric Ebron, even, even, you know, even Hawkinson uh, to, to a degree, I think maybe has not quite lived up to, to expectation at eight. Um, so there, there, there are people that are just like, this, this is what has screwed this franchise in the past. They haven't gotten a, a blue chip player out of those top tier picks before. So I don't want to see them try to do it again with Kyle Hamilton when, when to me, it's more about the person and that's not necessarily the
3: strategy. A couple points I want to make. Um, when I wrote this article, I, I wrote it trying to just focus on the concept of, who should you, t- where, what, what do teams value? Yeah. Right. I didn't try and focus it too, too much on, on what I think the lions value. And, but when we look at what the lions value and, and where they've invested, they've invested capital on the defensive line and the offensive line, yeah. right? They've looked at safety and everyone thinks safety is a weakness. And they looked at safety and went, actually we're good. We think we're yeah. pretty good. We like Will Harris a lot more than everyone else does. And that's scary to fans. but but Anywhere. they might be looking at this saying yeah kyle hamilton's great we got a couple good safeties and we if we upgrade marlo's spot we'll be all right we'll be all right at safety like they might look at this and say we have so many questions about all, all of our edge rushers and there are two really good edge rushers sitting there and we like will harris a lot more than you know like we don't think we think the drop off between uh Hamilton and Harris is, you know, a smaller gap than Hutchinson or Thibodeau and, you know, the next Charles Harris, right? Like, so, and then you look at the fact that uh, Brad Holmes has historically hit on defensive backs late time and time and time again. And when he was in LA, he got safeties late quite a bit and then look at the look what he did with the he got two undrafted corners like just let me grab these guys and oh look they're both starters now right like he so the, when you look at what they do what he's done historically and when, when you look at where what the moves that they've made i think hamilton is going to be a lot less valuable to this franchise than than uh than one of the edge rushers fair enough
1: Uh, I think we'll close out the the Kyle Hamilton debate there. Let's, let's move to uh, their, their other top, you know, 35 picks. Um, Obviously they got whatever the Rams pick will be probably 27 or lower or or higher, 27, 28 or higher. And then obviously like, I think people forget like they're just around the corner there after that with 34 that's locked in. Um, uh, Eric, I want you to go over maybe, I I think wide receiver tends to be a a popular pick there. Um, if you could go over some names, not necessarily wide receivers, just guys that you think the Lions might be interested that that'll be available around the, that spot right there.
3: What's what's tricky is um, like most of the positions in this draft is that there, there's not really like a consensus, right? Yeah. There's not a this is the guy. And then there's a whole bunch of guys after a lot of the this draft is going to be teams picking the player that fits the need that they want. Right. Because these, there, there's about six receivers that are all going to be kind of grouped together. And if you want a big guy, there's going to be one of those. If you want a fast guy, there's going to be one of those. And so um, it's going to kind of be pick and choose. Uh, and there, I don't think there's going to be any consensus on, on who's where. So trying to project if like a guy like uh, Jameson Williams, the Alabama receiver who tore his ACL in, in the national championship, he's probably going to be there at one of those two spots. And arguably, he could be the best receiver in this draft. Right. And if he's ready to go, uh, which is debatable, like he'd be ready to go for the season. But if, he, you know, if you're taking him at 34, like you're, and you get the best receiver in the draft at 34, because he's probably going to miss the first half of the season. Well, th- that's great value, right? So, but if you're talking about guys that are purely healthy, I've seen uh, Chris Lave uh, there, which I don't think is going to happen. I think he's going to be much higher. I've seen uh, Drake London, uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown's uh uh, wide receiver partner at USC. Right. Like, and, and so these, there's going to be one of the, it kind of looks like one of those six guys is going to, is going to fall. Like they at least one or maybe even two of them might be there at 28. One of them might be there at 34. And then, uh, so there's going to be a couple receivers. Um receivers uh, Dotson from Penn state's another one. And uh, Traylon Burks from, uh, from Arkansas. Those are kind of like the top guys. When you get into that second tier, you're talking about David Bell from Purdue uh Michi from Alabama. Uh, And then one guy that we'll talk about senior bowl, Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama. I think he's going to be a guy that starts in that conversation in the second round.
2: Just as a quick aside, Eric, as a curiosity, it it really does seem like that first round, every mock draft I see is just littered with wide receivers. And I know that's becoming more and more the case in each and Mm -hmm. every draft, but do you feel like this draft, especially, I mean, there's just a, there's a surplus of wide receiver talent and teams are always in need. So there's going to be a lot that go in the first round.
3: Yeah, I, I think that it's the way that college football is trending, yeah, I, I think it, 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 it lends itself to that, where you're finding more and more talented receivers because they're getting trained to play in these more spread systems, and, you're, and, they're, and they're adapting faster, they're, they're growing faster, and so you're finding more talented players uh, in the NFL, more talented wide receivers in the NFL because they're getting trained more in college. You see the opposite effect on the offensive line. Right. Offensive line yeah. isn't getting trained as much and they're struggling and, they're, and it takes time for them to develop in the NFL, but in receivers, that's, that's the show, right? Like this, that's even more than running back.
2: I, I was going to say, isn't it so funny how that narrative has changed like yeah. so recently because it was forever. It was like, Hey receivers, you need to give them like at least a year before yeah. they, they make an impact. I'm on Rossi
3: Brown, man. Right. Yeah. Brown the, the, the key here with this class as well is that none of them, Are like this is an X, this is a Z. They're all like, hey, he spends half his time at the X and half his time in the slot. This guy spends equal time amongst all three spots. That is the trend of these receivers now. We see it with St. Brown. St. Brown is a he plays he plays three quarters uh in the slot and he plays 25% on the outside, right? And that's what you're seeing with these others. So when you get these guys now from these different spread systems and this class is really going to accentuate that is that you're going to have these hybrid players that you're going to interchange out of different spots and you're going to line them up all over the field. And they're going to fit right in with St. Brown because it's, he has that flexibility to adapt as well. Just a a team full of Debo Samuels. Dude, San Fran has that blueprint, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, honestly, like I, I was watching San Fran's offense and I was thinking, this is what the Lions want to accomplish. Right. You've got your tight end. Yeah. You've, you've got a Debo Samuel kind of-esque guy in, in St. Brown. And there's going to be another, if they take another one high, that's going to be your other guy. Like yeah. they have a chance to kind of replicate what, what we see in San Fran and, and a, a, a heavy offensive line that likes to run. And you've got good slot options and guys that can do multiple roles. I mean, that's that's kind of what it looks like they're trying to do.
2: I I don't think wide receivers running the football is something that's just like in vogue right now. Like, I think that that's something that like. Could could be a thing. Utilized. Yeah. It could be a thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, Last thing before we, we take a break and then head to senior bowl talk. Uh, it feels like the quarterback talk has really, really died down in Detroit. Like people, I, whether it's because of Jared Goff's the way he finished the season, whether it's because um, people seem to think that that they're just gonna, you know, kind of kind of kick the can down the road to twenty twenty three. Not a lot of people have talked about quarterback, uh, especially with that second pick or, or, or thirty five. Um, I'm sorry, thirty yeah 30, 34, 34 whatever 34. um but but i'm curious as to your thoughts i, I you, i've shared my thoughts before on, on going quarterback late in the first um but i'm curious as to where you land there
3: yeah i think golf's resurgence uh in the back half uh, definitely tempered that need for a quarterback mm-hmm. um having this class not be as exceptional also kind of softens that need as well so um I don't think it's a need really. Um, honestly, like I, I think if there's an opportunity where you have a guy that shouldn't be there, that is at, at one of those spots. And, and, and you think the value is there to take a guy, I, I understand it. Um, I don't think it's something they have to do. I don't think it's something they're going to feel obligated to do. Um, and personally, I wouldn't even prefer it um, just because there's upside in a couple of these quarterbacks, but there's not like there's some of these guys are, they need more work than Trey Lance did last year. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, it, it, they just, it, it's going to take some time. Like, if, like we all like Willis, right. And um, Willis has got some, has, has got some work to do in order to be ready. Like you could put him on the field and you can run some packages for him. Uh, but he's not a guy that's going to step on to the field and challenge next year. Maybe he could challenge a year after, but you've got to work on different uh, you got to work on different things with him. Same thing with Ritter. Um I'm not a Howell fan. I'm not a strong guy because I, I don't think I want a statue back there. I want somebody with a little bit more mobility, and and I don't think uh, I don't think the other two are going to be there. I don't think Corral or or Pickett are going to be available at either of those two spots. And if they are, then that's great value, I think, with those two guys. So I, I've leaned away from it more. And um, I just I, I the what you were able to get out of golf, I think, really. Should, really shows what you can do. And even if it's just towing the line while you build the roster, I think that's more viable than I thought it was in the first half of the season. (laughs) Yeah. No question about it.
2: Can I ask you a question, Jeremy? Sure. (laughs) Um, So I know like you've, you've been like on the record many times saying that, you know, if if the lions have their guy at quarterback, they should take him. Like they shouldn't play the weight game. Yeah. They, they shouldn't, they shouldn't, you know, trade down picks or anything like that. Um, or they certainly shouldn't wait to see if he's around for the Rams pick. But, like, if that guy is not at, like, if if it isn't your guy, but it's a really good value pick at the end of the first round, is that something that you invest in? Because you know that you could potentially flip that player for more assets or he could eventually develop into your starter? Like, is is the is the value right at the end of the first round? If it seems like, Hey, like think, think of it akin to like the, the, the Justin Fields situation. I know that was higher in the draft, but like everybody was like, somebody needs to take this guy at at some point.
1: Right. Like
2: kind of like Lamar, kind of like Lamar Jackson.
1: If their QB one is still there at 28, essentially. is what your question is or something.
2: Yes. But he's, he's down Mm there. He's down there board because he's not their their number one prospect. I just don't, I don't think the timing's
1: right to make a move like that. Like I wouldn't be completely upset, but you're not in a, in a position where you should be taking guys that are going to, you know, develop two, three years down the line. Like you need, you, like, like Eric said, you need to build this roster first. You need to get these slam dunk picks. You can't waste a year on a rookie contract. I don't think right now, just because of
2: where you're at everywhere else on the roster. You, you, so you, you would like, you would undoubtedly have to do it in the first round and in the second round. It makes even less sense, right? For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I,
1: I think these, these first three picks are critical to this team's development, like absolutely crucial, because this is this is why you traded Matthew Stafford, right? Like you you to get these extra picks, to get these high picks, to know that you probably weren't going to play very good football in 2021 and get a high draft pick because of it. You, you can't mess it up. You you can't kick the can, can down the road. You can't you waste a year or two of these rookie contract deals. And and I know in the past I've said order doesn't matter, but I think right now order does matter uh, in terms of when you get your quarterback and. I think Jared Goff has shown enough where he's, he's earned another year to to prove himself and see if maybe he could be, I, I still think at this point, he's probably just your, your bridge, but if he, if he gets a full year and, and gets better, better, you know, support on defense, better wide receiving core, who knows where it goes. So let, let's play that out first and not kind of play the, all right, well, we're, we're grooming your guy a couple of years down the road with, with one of our key picks here.
3: Goff is just has, has just enough personality to where if you draft his replacement, he might completely fold. You think so? Yeah, I kind of do. I I hate to say that, um, but it seems like the vibe that I get from him is I don't think he would produce the way he produced at the end of last season, next season, if he's looking over his shoulder, I think he plays a lot more confident if it's, if it's a Tim Boyle behind him, then, then uh, Malik Willis.
1: Yeah. It, it, it's kind of, that's a tough, tough thing to nail down, obviously. Cause I mean, he took it on the chin pretty hard this year and, and was fine, but it's kind of a different taking it on the chin when, I mean, the lions gave him all the support he could possibly give, And, and that was important. So yeah. What happens when that kind of falls out a little bit? It's a good, it's a good
2: thing to at least it, think about. Especially amongst uh, to, to Eric's point, especially amongst a, a group of coaches who is so about competition and the best player getting the, the playing time. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think if, if you're anywhere on this roster, if somebody behind you is, you know, making an impact, that's going to cut into your playing time.
1: No question. Uh, shockingly, we went over on the first segment. So when we come back, <laughs> we're going to maybe have an abridged version of a little senior bowl preview, but don't worry. We're going to be talking lots of senior bowl uh, in the upcoming week. So stick with us on first bite. We will be right back with Eric Schlitt. And we are back here on First Bite with our buddy, Eric Schlitt, Managing Editor of Pride of Detroit. Let's talk Senior Bowl. And Eric, you need to give me a crash course on the <laughs> Senior Bowl roster because I, I am making the trip down to Mobile. It is now official. Yeah. I made uh, made reservations, all that sort of stuff. Um, unfortunately, you can't make it. So you are going to be my my Sherpa along the way, um, oh, yeah. both virtually and, and right here in person-ish. Uh, so let's, let's start on offense uh, they, at, at this point, the entire senior bowl roster, I believe has been revealed. Um, Correct. Offense was first though. So tell me four guys and it's the American team, right? I, I probably Correct. get that down first. The lines are coaching the American team. Yeah. Um, tell me about four guys on the offensive side of the ball that you are, are very excited to see uh, for that week.
3: Here, here's the trick there's going to be a couple guys at each spot that they're going to want to be like looking at. Right. Yeah. Um, the quarterbacks are of course going to be the talk because you've got two potential first round quarterbacks, um, and then another potential day three backup. But like, that's not really where I think my, my focus would be. And, and I don't think that's probably where you're going to want to invest a lot of time, especially after what we just talked about in the last segment, right. Yeah. Uh, with the whole quarterback situations, but, um, you're probably going to want to look at the skill spots, right? Uh, the, the one that stands out to me the, the most is there is the tight end. And then like the, uh, the fullback, right? You've got a couple of guys on there, like they're going to need another tight end. And then they're potentially be looking at a tight end kind of, or, or fullback hybrid H back in there as well. And I think that's something that they were targeting with Josh Hill last year. It's something they kind of turned Kabinda into, but uh you know, as much as they like, commenda maybe he doesn't come back. So you have two on this roster uh, that that are interesting. The first one is Connor Haywood, right? The Michigan State fullback. He's a he's a fullback hybrid, H uh, back hybrid. He's a little on the shorter side. He's like six foot, um, two hundred thirty something pounds, like that. But former running back, so he's got he's got some of that Jason Kabinda background in him. Uh, but he can do a lot of those things, kind of like that you were looking for uh, Josh Hill to do. Uh, the other one is Daniel Bellinger. Now, Bellinger is more like a tight end. He's like 6'6", 250. But again, he has that kind of skill set that lends him to being like an HVAC as well. So those two guys uh, fill a unique role where they can play multiple spots. And depending on what happens with Kabinda, it, it, it could be a very important role. Look at, I mean, look, when you look at when Kabinda wasn't out, how that drastically changed what they were able to do in the offense, uh, that game that he left early, the yeah. third to last game, right? Um, it's an important spot uh, for what they want to achieve. And they have two guys. And I think that was very purposeful. You don't really have that on the, on the jets. The jets weren't looking for this type of guy. The the lions were, those two guys were probably handpicked. And so those are the, the first two that I would be keeping an eye on. Uh, and then the other two on offense would be a couple of receivers. I mentioned Tolbert, at the top he's probably going to be the highest rated uh receiver um on the lions uh all american team uh he's he's big he's powerful i know kent is a big fan of his um he has he has some uh, vertical ability and he's a guy that would come in and he, he could potentially complement what the lions have but if anyone's going to challenge him for a, a uh to go number one out of this wide receiver group, it could be Calvin Austin. Now Austin is um a little bit on the smaller side, well, a lot on the smaller side. He's only about five, nine, hundred and sixty-two or sixty-five pounds or something like that. So, so he's small, but he's he's bigger than Tutu Atwell, who like 20 pounds heavier than Tutu. And Tutu went to the Rams last year in the second round. Like, so again, this is a guy that um it, He's gonna be primarily a slack guy, but with when you talk about Amon Ra's ability to play inside out, you can do the same thing with him. He brings a different skill set. He's kind of like a Khalif Raymond. Uh, type of player but smaller but also quicker which is a little bit scary to say because cle is awfully quick uh but he he's he's a gadget player that can do more like saint brown type things as opposed to like what raymond does like you can use them in the in the backfield you can use them on screens and stuff like that so those two receivers i would also keep an eye out for. There's some really talented offensive linemen in this game. But again, I think if you're only if you're focused on four guys, those are the four uh, that you want to keep an eye on. The, the offensive linemen, the one thing I want to point out about them is that almost all of them are uh, position flexible. Okay, and again, it's the opposite of the Jets. Jets went very guys that were very streamlined into the spots that they wanted. I think the Lions specifically picked the guys that they wanted or put in requests for the guys that they wanted because they wanted guys that were position flexible because I think they're looking for backups. I don't think they're looking for starters. And so that means there's a lot of these top guys that top like unit. Uh, those top five guys that are all probably going in the top 100 picks, you can probably ignore them because I doubt they're going to take one of those guys unless they move on from Vitae, which means the other guys who can jump out from them. Is there anyone that's going to step up and and elevate their game a little bit more because they're going to want some of these position flexible guys. I wouldn't be surprised to see one of them.
1: But before before we yeah, jump into the defensive side, I, I, I wanna I, you let off with, with a couple of tight ends and fullbacks and I think a lot a lot of people might be like, oh why are we talking about fullbacks <laughs> and tight ends? <laughs> well but, who's your but, head coach? But, well yeah who's your head coach <laughs> and, and Ryan like I know this is something you've been beating the drum already this offseason like tight end's a pretty darn darn big need this offseason, right? And and yeah, and we talked yeah. we talked about how Josh Hill was essential to the saints offense. We've talked about that before. I, I, was it Sean Payton who said like, he's the yeah. front door to the, to the offense. And, and it does feel like that's what they were building Jason Cabinda to be too, because you, like you said, like Dan Campbell after that game that Cabinda got injured was like, we had to throw out half of our playbook and, and you're, yeah. you're like, what <laughs> about with Cabinda? But I think, yeah, that they were trying to build him into the, something. And I think he's a guy that they'll probably end up bringing back, but who else you got? <laughs> Even if he,
3: even if they bring him back, yeah, they could still take one of these two oh, guys 100%. because right. Is rock right? That dude. Well, I think he's tied in three, right? Yeah. Like, I think um, like Bellinger, not, look, I, I I know we're as Michigan state, you know, fans mm-hmm. in the state of Michigan, we like to support our, our in-state players and Hayward's a great story being from Michigan state mm-hmm. and it'd be neat to keep him here. Uh, but he's almost like Jason Cabinda, mm-hmm. right? And if you bring Kabinda back, it makes his window a little bit smaller. Bellinger though, mm-hmm. Bellinger could be your tight end too, and he can be your backup for this role. He can be a better version of like what Brock Wright is. And I think he's a really realistic chance of landing in Detroit. What
1: what round would you circle for him?
3: It's hard to say. I want to see how they adapt him. Like, is, is he going to be the starter? If he is the starter down there, man, that's that means they're going to think highly of him. And you could talk about, start talking about, um, maybe he's that third round pick, um, or one of the two, one of the two third round picks, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to say at this stage, um, because tight ends are really hard to pinpoint,
1: Yeah.
3: but, um, I mean, he could work his way up into the the top five. I could think I could see that.
2: Yeah. I, and to be honest, you know, before, before, you know, learning a little bit more about Bellinger here from you, Eric, I, I think the big name that uh, everybody kind of circled was Trey McBride on the, on the other side of the ball for the jets. Um, Cause it seems like he seems to be a consensus, you know, top three tight end, um, even, you know, tight end number one amongst some uh, draft Knicks. So um, I mean, can you just talk a little bit about Trey McBride? Cause I think it's interesting. The lions have their guys, they have their roster, but it's not like they're not going to have access to Um, you know, the, the other team. So
3: Mm -hmm. yeah, no, McBride is definitely up there. Like in in my opinion, there's, there's two kind of like tight ends at the top and then everyone else is kind of trying to work up their way towards that. McBride's one of them, Uh, the Texas A&M guy, um, what's his name? Why? Hey, Ryan, I, I know I can't I pronounce it, I think. Weidermeyer. Thank you. Yeah. Right. He he's Um. here's the thing though. These guys are Uh. McBride's a little bit more balanced, Um. but a lot of the guys, a lot of the tight ends in this class, they're all f tight ends, which is which is the guy who can sometimes line up in line, but most of the time they're lining up in the slot. And again, I think this goes back to our conversation earlier where we're talking about spread systems in college, and and so many of these guys are are like that. There's there it's it's you you're running into uh, less guys that are. You know, less tight ends that are coming in and capable of blocking, or you're finding guys that are just blocking specialists. Finding those guys that can do a little bit of both it, it, it is hard to come by, and I think that's why McBride gets a little bit of the gets that attention because he's he's more balanced than um, some of the other guys are.
1: All right, let's yeah. move over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh... Um, Obviously, the Lions have a lot more needs there. You know, I think you can localize the Lions problems on offense to those kind of perimeter guys. Uh, But you could you could pretty much go in any direction on on defense. So, um, again, I'm going to only ask for four here because we're limited on time. But who are are the four guys when I'm sure you could name 15 that you're going to be watching?
3: This this one was harder, right? Because you don't know exactly which way they're going. Uh, obviously, we've talked about the fact that safety is a, is a big need, but they only have really three safeties, and I don't think any of them are going to be in the conversation in the first hundred picks, right? So, um, it, it's 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 going to be kind of hard to say. Um, I think they're going to take uh, an edge rusher early, which means the top edge rushers here. Uh, they're a little bit, you know, it's it's a little bit harder to like say, hey, is a Jermaine Johnson a guy that they would consider uh with that second pick in the first round? Now, Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State, he's one of their edge rushers. It's gonna be a stand-up guy. He's long, he's going to be um, I think he's gonna probably start at the will for them. That's that's my guess. Uh opposite of him is uh Cameron Thomas. And, and he's a he's more of like a uh like a flowers type replacement where he can he can put his hand in the dirt but he can also stand up and and, and rush the edge he's a little bit more position flexible again i don't like i i think those guys are guys that you watch because those are guys that's a position that we that that's a need right and so um while do i think they double dip in the first round no but if if they go hamilton early these guys are going to be in the conversation at 28 so they have a couple of really good talented uh edge rushers um linebackers really interesting i i wanted to pick a guy out of the linebacker group but again i think there's more talented linebackers early uh if i was to watch one guy the guy i would pick from there is a uh, uh, jojo damon from nebraska he's a um he's uh, a coverage back a lot of a lot of backer a lot of these guys are really good in coverage and i again i think that's very purposeful you know um they didn't pick or or the the, some of the top linebackers went to the jets side and the lions ended up getting like four linebackers that are all like day three guys but they can all cover like crazy and so um and, and and jojo is is probably the one that can do it the most now okay i say that and they have two Georgia linebackers and we saw how fast those guys can just fly. Yeah. I mean, they can fly. Right. And so I'd love to put one of those guys, the, the sleeper is Clark uh, from LSU. I think he could end up being the best of the bunch potentially um, down the road. I don't think he's quite there yet, but okay. But Jojo is my picket linebacker. And so then uh, my last guy, i um, I, I'm just look at corner McCreary is, is really the most talented corner. He's arguably the most talented defensive back uh, in mobile, right. At period. And so um, you can't, you know, you don't know, just like on the edge, you don't know what's going to happen at corner. Are these guys going to return? Are you going to need another guy early? And then you are, you have Amani going into his last year on the outside. And then so there's a lot of questions. now they got a lot of youth and they got a lot of depth and they look, and if they return healthy, they don't need to add anybody, but you don't know if they're going to. And if they're not, McCreary is a guy that um, I highlighted him in my draft watch list earlier in the year. Uh, and he's a guy that has continued to rise and rise and rise. He was a guy I thought was in the top 50. Now I think he's probably going to go maybe in the top 34. I said 34 for a reason. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I thought something that was interesting, just looking at the rosters, Eric, but the lions, the, uh, the American team, they have three more defensive backs than the national yeah. team.
3: Yeah. Uh, again, I think that's purposeful. They went a little bit lighter uh, in, in certain areas to go heavier in the back end. Again, what did Holmes say uh, in the presser? I think we need help on the on the perimeter, right? And so, um, I wouldn't be surprised if one of these defensive backs again ends up uh, with the Lions maybe even a couple, if you had, if you start talking about undrafted guys as well, yeah. because there are some guys that really fit the system that I haven't even talked about uh, because, you know, I'm limited to four guys here, but, um, <laughs> but there I mean, you already kind of broke the rule. Let's be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I'm always looking for a little bit more, but um, yeah, no, look there, there's probably six corners out of the nine that I could see them targeting on uh anywhere from Brown one to, to, to undrafted that all really fit the system really well uh, key length. So when we, when we start looking at the measurables at uh, the first day of senior bowl, length is going to be a really big indicator because Glenn likes a lot of length on the corners. Yeah.
1: But could like, could Aaron Glenn develop a UDFA? I don't know. We just don't have any evidence of that.
3: <laughs> no, just like just a couple, a couple of like, you know, guys that did all right.
1: All right. We're going to do a little special thing here at the end here. Uh, on uh, During the regular season, we like to do a, a segment at the end called one thing we think we know again, recording this on a Friday night before the divisional round of the playoffs. So we're going to have a, a special playoff edition of the one thing we think we know about any of these games, any, anything that happens in this weekend games. I want you guys to give me one prediction about what happens this weekend. Ryan, are you ready? I'm going to be bold. Oh, okay. I love it. Ryan, what's the one thing you think, you know, about the divisional playoff weekend?
2: The, the one thing that I think I know about the divisional round of the NFL playoffs is that the Los Angeles Rams are going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by by two scores.
0: Oh, okay.
2: It's gonna. It. I, I'm. I'm telling you right now. I think it's gonna be ugly. Like I think that what the Rams will be able to do up front in terms of their pass rush. What I, I don't think Werfs is gonna play. And it, at this point, like I watched what in like a pretty anemic Eagles pass rush did at least on third down. Like I think it was an under. It was kind of like an undersold aspect of that game. Is when Werfs went down. Like, I mean, just randoms were getting pressures on Brady and they ended up sacking him four times. So I, I mean, change those Randos with Aaron Donald and Von Miller and our old friend, a Sean Robinson. <laughs> hey, um, I, I, I think, I think it could be, I think it could be uh, I think it could be a
1: bloodbath. Wow. That that would be interesting. I mean, the, the, the Rams are also going to be missing their left tackle as well. Whitworth uh, declared out today. Um, but that would be an interesting one. I'm not not a Lions fan. Not a lot of Lions fans would. I'd say about half would be happy with that result. <laughs> half half would very much not be happy with that result. Uh, Eric, I'm going to pass the buck to you next. What's the right. one thing you think you know about the divisional round of the playoffs?
3: The Bills will get their second win, and they will not punt again.
1: Oh my God! Wow,
3: <laughs> this is just the boldest there you go. version of the one thing we think we know I've ever I heard. I think I think one they're going to be super efficient, but two they're going to have to try and keep up. And so fourth down and short, they're going. I I think they're going. I don't think the Bills punt and I think they win. They don't punt and win.
2: I don't know about the I'm punting under. thing. I love that aspect of it, but I'm right there with you, Eric. I think that the Bills get revenge. Yeah.
1: Dang. I mean, once again, proving never punting is, is the strat. Sorry. Sorry, Jack Fox fans. Um, I'm, I'm going to go. I think this is also kind of bold, but certainly not as bold as I think you guys said, and it's going to directly contradict what, what Ryan said, but I think the one thing I think I know about the divisional round is that every single game is going to be a one score game. That's decided in the final five minutes of the game. I, I love all of these matches, but I think they're all fantastic. It'll kind of, you know, cleanse the palate after what I thought was a pretty not, I mean, we had one or two exciting games in the wild card round, but we we kind of proved why some of those teams were two seeds and why some of them were, were seven seeds. So I, I I think I'm expecting a very competitive, very entertaining week of football ahead.
2: What's the uh, before you you know take off your NFL hat that <laughs> my Roblo that I yeah that your I, your Roblo <laughs> NFL hat that you wear. Um, <laughs> what's going to be the closest game? Ooh. You said they're I, all gonna be one score games, but like what's gonna be the closest game?
1: I think it might be that Chiefs Bills game because I like I, I don't know who wins that game. I, I it's gonna be very entertaining. I'm I'm very happy they put that one in the in the, the last spot um, Sunday night because that that's gonna be a, a pleasure to watch kicked our podcast to Monday.
2: That's how, that's how yeah. much we want to watch it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a good reminder. We will be uh, doing a live podcast, full podcast show. Um, this was essentially a full podcast too, but uh, we'll be doing a full one Monday night uh, recapping maybe a little bit of the playoffs talking, obviously more lines off season as well. So make sure you're subscribed to us on any channel. If you're subscribed to us on Spotify, make sure you you give us a rating. They, they're allowed to do that now. Um, if you're on Apple podcasts, leave a review and maybe we'll read it out loud but until next time for eric for ryan thank you for joining us on first bite we will be back soon and as always it's chaos be kind